0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You're listening to Setting the Pigs, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Goldman and Michael Fauci. Sabonis down the lane with
0: authority. Oh, Miles Turner bringing that smoke. Lutford, skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes, T.J. Warren is not human. The
2: Setting the Pace podcast had Kevin Pritchard on. Well, you got to setting the pace, and I think that's terrific. Pacer Nation, we have got a loaded show for you today. We are joined by former Indiana Pacer Center, Al Jefferson, Flashy, how's it going, brother? yep,
3: yeah, you're going to enjoy this one from the very second Al Jefferson came on, repping the Indiana Pacers tank. I knew we were in for a good one, and Al did not disappoint.
2: Yeah, and it was pretty great. We uh, ended the recording, and right after we hung up, he said, I love coming on y'all's show. It was so nice to hear him say that. Um, just just really cool. I mean, Al is so down to earth, and um, yeah, you can definitely tell that he is excited for his future with whatever he's going to do. And I'll let him share that on the pod. I don't want to spoil it, but I think that the future for Al Jefferson and his career is a
3: really, really interesting, Patch. it really is. I mean, we, we answered, uh, we asked him a few, you know, deeper questions about maybe what went wrong this year. And Al had some pretty genuine answers and also had to ask him, you know, who he was interested in as the Pacers next head coach. And I think you guys uh, like his answer.
2: Absolutely. So let's get out of the way and uh, bring on our guest, Al Jefferson, our Mississippi boy to talk about all things, Al Jefferson, NBA and the Pacers.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Learn more at marines.com.
2: We have a special guest joining us once again. It's the second time on setting the pace. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for former Pacers center, Big Al Jefferson. Al, what's going on, man?
1: Oh, man. Everything blessed.
3: You know, Al, I, I for, for listeners, I got to point it out. Al is everything repping bliss. the Indiana Pacers as <laughs> right now, wearing the shirt, just got to work out in. But Al, had to be a tough decision. About a year ago, the Pacers elected to move on from Coach Nate McMillan, someone that you played for. Great deal of success turning the Hawks around this year. Can you speak on maybe his coaching style and why maybe it didn't work out in Indiana?
1: Well, you know, I was, um, I was probably um, surprised, just like everybody else, when, um, when they let him go in uh, Indiana. I reached out to him, and I just told him everything going to work itself out. And then he wind up in, uh, in Atlanta, wind up getting the head coaching job and got a chance to move to the Eastern Conference finals tonight. So, you know, everything working out for him. So sometimes when one door shut, another door opened up for bigger and better things.
2: Yeah, and there was actually rumors out there that Nate might not coach this year and take the year off to kind of just, you know, spend time with his grandkids and, and kind of move that direction. But, you know, found a great opportunity in Atlanta. And and now yeah. it's kind of funny as we're talking about coaching changes, you know, you know, seventy-two games later, the Pacers fire their head coach, Nate Bjorkman, after one season. And wow. I'm just, you know, I'm just curious. Have you ever had a, a a time in the in the league where you were on a team and a coach got fired after one season?
1: Um, after one season, um, I think um, uh, Randy, uh, Randy Whitman got fired after a year and a half. I don't mm-hmm. think no, I ever played for anyone that got fired after one season. No.
2: Yeah, I was just curious, like, even though it was a shorter term like that, what kind of impact does that have on the locker room? And and how quickly can a, a coach just not being the right fit
1: change things? I mean, well, you know, in my opinion, coach is the head of the um, the head of the snake, you know, um, you know. And so, you know, to see something like that happen, I don't know. I don't know the details and stuff that were going on in the locker room. But I know um, to see something like that happen after a coach has signed that, I'm sure he signed a multiple year deal. And to, you know, see them get fired after the first year, it must have been something that Indiana just really had to do, you know.
3: I mean, it it was – I don't want to say it was surprising, but the first half of the season, we didn't hear many reports. And then, boom, once those reports came out, it seemed like a relationship was going to be hard to fix. But, Al, they cited basically Bjorkman's inability to mesh well with the players and staff. How important is it for your head coach to have either been a former player or – Be at least very much be able to relate to his players.
1: Well, I think regardless um, if a coach played in the league before or not, I think it's all about, um, you know, being able to talk to your players. You know, that's one thing I love about Nate. Uh, You know, even if it's something you don't want to hear or something you need to hear, you know, Nate never um, had a um, problem with just, you know, speaking his mind, but it's also the right way to do it too. You know what I'm saying? So and I feel like that was the one of the thing that I loved about Nate and a lot of other coaches that I had. Um, you know, guys that could come and, and communicate with you and, and, uh, and you know, be able to um tell you what's, you know, what's on his head and what's going on, what problem he may have. And I think that's the number one key for in a locker room. You got to have a great relationship with your coach, even if you might not agree with everything you do, but he gotta do his job and you gotta do it.
2: Yeah, and so there's been some reporting that came out about about the Pacers this year and how the guys turned on their coach and became a very selfish locker room. And I'm not sure if you've ever had that, but when 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 you're playing, you know, 72, 82 games a season and, and players start playing for themselves and not playing for the team, how does that have an <laughs> impact long-term with those same guys if they're kept together on the same roster?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's most definitely a negative impact because what you don't want... Um, you know, a, a selfish locker room everybody playing for themselves. That's the number one problem right there because it's a team. You know, I, I feel like on any NBA team, the best player all the way down to the player that don't even get in the game is it's, it's, it's important. So, you know, if you got guys in there, you know, teammates especially, you know, just for, don't, don't even think about the coaching stuff right now, but just the teammates, that they're not getting along, not being able to hold each other accountable or be able to communicate, that's a problem. Then the coaching staff and not able to communicate with the players you know it, it just it's not gonna work and then it's teaching a lot of the young players bad habits you know that's something that you don't want I, I was so lucky my rookie year my first three years you know I had good bets around me you know and that helps a lot you know so you don't want that type of locker room because the, the young players will start growing up with bad habits and then they could affect them later on in their career
3: You know, Al, it's interesting. You mentioned the great vets that you had, and you definitely did, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, the Celtics and just just a few other teams that you were on. But Alex and I, we've been begging for that the Pacers need more of a veteran presence on this team. And Kevin Pritchard himself had to address the team numerous times this year after subpar performances. But he even said he had a quote, we didn't have an Al Jefferson-type player this year, which I think is the utmost compliment to you. And Al, I mean, he talked about it. the importance of having a veteran on a team. I mean, it's one of those that when we're not in the locker room, we don't see it. But can you just tell us a little bit about what those vets do and how they can make that difference, even if it's not on the court?
1: I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, like I said earlier, I had good vets. I mean, I remember when I was a rookie and I remember when I started playing, you know, some of the older vets uh, wasn't playing. and But they were always trying to help me and trying to, you know, keep me in a, a positive space and, um, you know, and that, that rubbed off on me. So when it came down to my time, when I, um, you know, when Sabonis came and, you know, and they, they came to me and told me they're going to let the young fella play. and So I automatically went into that mode. Okay, let me try to help Sabonis I'll also help Miles, you know, just, you know, play a role on this team that I can help, you know. And I, I just think that's very important because also, like I said, it's going to rub off on the young guys Then they're going to be it when they get older, they're gonna be able to help the young um the younger guys that come after them. So I, I just think that's the most important thing. And also, you know, I remember a couple of times me and Nate um with Lance Stevenson, something happened and uh, I I addressed Lance Stevenson and Nate sat you know sat back and let me handle it. And me and Lance were real cool and Lance knew. You know, if I'm saying something to him, it's for to help him, you know. And that's the type of relationship that, you know, that team had when I was there. You know, it wasn't nothing personal. It's all about we all should have the same goal and let's win it. Either, either if I'm playing no minutes or I'm playing 20 minutes, you know, I still want to win. So I, I just think that's very important, especially with a young team. Again, this league, you know, you know some people realize how lucky we are to be amongst, you know, the, the people that's in NBA. You know, we are very lucky to have that chance. And, you know, you got to make the best out of it. Because, you know, one thing about the NBA is a draft every year. These new players coming in every year, and you could be soon forgot about. So I just think it's very important to have a you know that veteran guy that positive, because sometimes the young guys don't want to listen, they get tired of listening to the coach all the time. It's kind of like you know, I'm hearing the same coach saying the same thing, you know? sometimes you need to hear another voice, and I think that's where I came in, at, and the most guys like me coming in at, you know. So I think it's very important, man.
2: Have you ever Not thought have, have you ever thought one about maybe taking a coaching role or, or coming back as, you know, a veteran in the NBA, but on a smaller contract, just to kind of be in a sense like a Udonis Haslam, what he is to that Miami Heat team, someone that, you know, you re- can rely on to kind of be that player coach in the locker room that can be a different voice for the, for the guys on the team.
1: Yes, I, I've been thinking about it a lot, uh, especially in the last four or five months. Um, you know, one of my biggest regrets when I went to China, I was born in China to try to, I wanted to play more, but I regret it now. I wish I would have just stayed um, with Indiana and continue to do that role I was doing. And, uh, you know, for at least a couple more years. So, um, but yes, that's your question. Uh, I've been thinking about it very heavily. I've been praying about it a lot. So, um, you know, it's just, it might be a chance you might see me uh, as a coach.
3: Hey. <laughs> Al, you got me fired up over here because I want to see you back. You got a lot to give to the game and, and I just feel like you're someone who's very respected in the league. You know, this year that the Pacers coaching staff, it was, it just kind of felt like it was a group that was thrown together. And, you know, I don't even know if they're coming back period. So that's something I'd love to see, but two guys, you mentioned Sabonis, Miles Turner, this would be year five of the pairing. I know you got great respect for both of them. Um, and, you know, you obviously played with both of them, but can two yeah. starting centers in the NBA really work together against elite teams? Because, this could be the year that maybe they make a change with it.
1: Well, I mean, just the way the league is right now. I mean, when I, I sit and watch the game, it just be so amazing to me to see how different the game is now than it was when I first came in. You know, when I first came in, it was a big man league. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, um, you know, like you, you know, you always had a, uh, a big uh, power forward and you always had uh, a center. So now the game, it's more like everybody, I think it's five out. I watch, uh, I'm seeing Milwaukee play. I was looking at uh, Lopez shooting threes. And I was like, I remember he had his post move just as good as mine back in the day, <laughs> you know? So uh, to answer your question, I, I I think it would be hard for um, two big men like Miles and Sabonis to, you know, to play together for as going against the, trying to get deep in the playoffs and this and that. Now I think it can work with Sabonis is so you know, Sabonis could do so many different things, but just the way the league set up now, just, just the way teams play now, I just think it would be a little more tougher for him.
2: Yeah, and, and you're talking about the big man and how the league has evolved. Well, we finally had a, a center win the MVP this year, Nikola Jokic, for the first time, I believe, since Shaquille O'Neal. So, I mean, we're talking a long time here where that award has been given to a point guard or a wing. And you see big men that have been dominant over the past couple of years, and Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and, and Rudy yeah. Gobert winning Defensive Player of the Year. Do you think that there is maybe a bit of a resurgence with dominant big men, or or do you think that the league is going, you know, still kind of that small ball route?
1: Well, I mean, I still think the league going that small ball route, but like the big man that you just named, them the best type of big man for this system for mm-hmm. the system that the league playing now. You look like a uh drum, um like a drama, uh, DeAndre Jordan, um, and the guys you just named, them the type of big man's that you know, uh Jokic is a little different. Cause Jokic is, you know, we call him a center, but he point guard, <laughs> center, shooting guard, yep. all missed in one, you know. <laughs> so he's a little different. And even MB, you know, he to me the closest to like what we you know, kind of like he played back to the batteries and do things that a lot of traditional big men didn't do. I do, I do think that the, you know the big men are dominating. They they starting to come back, but I just think it's going to be still that same role, like the Lopez play and Um Yogis and um, all the other guys. So you know, I just think this league is going to take another young Al Jefferson old school game to come back, win a championship. in the league gonna go back to that again. You know, everybody gonna go back to the big man trying to find somebody to pose You know, it's just a copycat league. And I think it's more exciting for the fans, too. They're to see, um, you know, a lot of points go up on the board. So, you know, I just think it's, it's working in everybody's favor now.
3: You know, speaking of bigs, uh, Miles Turner really established himself as pretty much the premier shot blocker in the league the last few seasons. Unfortunately, oh, due to injuries, Miles Turner was left off the all-defensive ballot, you know, first team, second team. It was obvious that he was hurt by that. But did you know yeah. early on that Miles could be elite as it pertains to rim protection and shot blocking?
1: Oh, I remember when he first got in the league. I think it was his rookie year when he um, he blocked LeBron. Oh,
3: I knew you were gonna say that. It was a yeah. moment. It was.
1: And I was like, "Oh wow, young fella! You know, ain't too many people could block LeBron like that, meet him at the rim, you know." So I was, I was really impressed with Miles. And yeah, but Miles, it don't surprise me that. He's gonna be on that, um, have a chance to get a uh, defensive player of the year one, one time, one year, because uh, he, he just got that mindset. Like, you know, some guys you have to teach him miles when it comes to defense, you don't. You know, he just he just he moves well, he knows how to uh, his help defense, and he, he don't mind blocking shots, he don't mind getting dunked on, he don't mind, you know, because you know, every true shot blocker don't get dunked on every night, and, and he he don't care about none of that. So, I think he he most definitely gonna be one of the best uh, defensive players in this league.
2: Well, I was gonna ask you, do you uh do you still talk with Miles and Domas on
1: occasion? Um, no, not not like I should. I mean, I talk to uh Josh, the trainer all the time. So I always make sure every time I talk to Josh, I make sure, you know, tell them boys um um I say what's up and like before the pandemic, I was actually going to some games. So, you know, um but you know, since the pandemic I ain't have a chance to uh, go to no games. So I don't talk to them as much. Um but they know they might Yeah, you
3: know, uh I'd say, you know, from a distance. Tune into the Pacers. You know, we're usually a model of consistency as a playoff team. Were you like, mm. man, what is going on in Indiana this year? Because the 30-plus-year home winning streak ended, failed to make the playoffs just the second time in the last 10 years. Was it a surprise to you?
1: It was, but you just knew something wasn't right. You know, you knew whatever was going on. Um, because, I, I mean, I talked to Chad. Um, me and Chad, we always uh, communicate, text message and stuff. And like I said, I talk to Josh all the time. So I knew something just wasn't right up there, you know. So it didn't really, it, it surprised me that they didn't do as well as I thought. You know, like I said, you got that what was going on. It's going to be hard to win, you know.
2: Yeah, and I was, I just wanted to ask you too, because you talk about those relationships you have. Um, you know, when the Pacers did trade Victor Oladipo, that's a guy that you played with. You know, it was it was kind of a big deal because Oladipo was supposed to be the face of the franchise once he came here after Paul George was traded, and he was really that guy. The injuries kind of set him back, and of course, he got injured again once he was traded, and eventually landed in Miami. What 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 were your thoughts overall on that trade for Karis Lavert? And you know, maybe not getting too much insight on what happened, but when it, when it comes to a player like that, that you just don't feel like he's going to stay long term with the team. What what position does that put the team in
1: going forward? I mean, I mean, especially like it put the team in a bad position um, because you know you traded Paul George for him. You know, it's kind of like um, when I got traded for Kevin Garnett. You know, you trade your best player for him. You know, and Vic came in that first year and had a you know a crazy season. You know, and I just really thought he was happy there in Indiana. You know, um, and I know injuries played a part in all this, which I think Indiana. Um, style for as the trainers is the best one of the best in, in the league for as dealing with injuries and stuff like that. So I was a little surprised that uh he was traded because I kept I think I heard a couple of rumors that he wanted to be traded, but then I thought I heard that he came out and said that wasn't true. So I knew it was something going on, but I was I was happy when they got Levert back in the deal because I was a he was one of my favorite young players to watch when I was in the league. So I was really excited that you know we let Vic, they let big go. They got LeVert which I think got a chance to be a uh, special player in this league. So, you know, but it was a little shocking to me because I just really thought Indiana and Vic, you know, was on the same page. But clearly it was something more to the story. So,
3: So, Al, the schedule was unlike anything that we've ever seen before. I mean, major lack of practice time, 10 less games, lack of fans, COVID protocols, everything, you name it. How wearing on your body could a condensed season be as unfortunately it feels like stars are dropping like flies this year?
1: Oh, man. I mean, it was a quick turnaround. I mean, the closest thing I ever seen compared to that was the lockout year in 2011. When, um, you know, we had a lockout year. I think we started in November and it was like every week we were playing four games and five nights. You know what I'm saying? You know, but the different was, you know, we started later and still, still ended, you know, pretty much around the same time. I could not imagine LeBron James winning the championship and two months later, not even two months later, they got to start the season back over. Like, that's tough. I mean, so to see AD go down, to see LeBron, where have we ever seen LeBron go down like that? You know, LeBron don't yeah, ever, you know, so to see that, it didn't shock me. It was just like, wow, you know, you, you know, and I know it's the NBA and these players, you know, we get we get paid a lot of money to, to do this and under the circumstances with the pandemic. You know, it's just something they just had a, you know, they just had to do it. So, you know, they just come with it. One like, you know, you know, everybody had to do it, especially the teams that didn't even come into the bubble. They had a long rest. You know, they actually had a regular off season. But it's not, you know, it's not a coincidence that the, the guys who went deep into the playoffs last year, you know, they, they were uh, getting hurt this year. So, you know, it's not, a, it's not shocking, but it's just tough to ask them guys to do that. And I know they love the game, and love for the game, don't make them to it, you know, it's their job. But it was pretty tough.
2: Yeah, no, that it's definitely been a crazy season. I mean, we've seen so many injuries. I think if you look at all the injuries from the playoffs, like you, you're looking at like an All NBA team right there. So it's just it's right. been it's been kind of crazy to see some of the stars go down. And of course, we see Chris Paul now is in uh, COVID protocols, and he could miss you know game one or two of the entire uh, the Western Conference games one and two of that Western Conference. So it's just it's a big right. deal. But uh, looking at another guy that used to play with you, Paul uh, Paul George. This is, a, uh, this is a guy that has to step up now with Kawhi Leonard being out with those injuries. And, and, and Paul said a funny moment or a funny thing there after that Clippers game said, I had to go back to my Indiana ways where I was the guy. Uh, do you think that maybe him having a sidekick or him being the sidekick has kind of altered the way he approaches the game? And, and do you kind of like seeing him be that number one go-to guy on a team?
1: Well, I thought, um, honestly, I just think Paul... At a point in his career now, um, you know, and you look around the league, you, you need that sidekick. Everybody, everybody need a, uh, you know, Batman and Robin, you know, that's the way the lead is, you know, um, it's performing So, and I think Paul had proved himself when he was the number one option and he was the only guy on the team. He had proven himself and we all know he could do that. That's why that last game against Utah, then it really shouldn't surprise nobody. You know what I'm saying? Because this playoff Pete. You know, Pete's been doing this for a long time. And he got the skills. And he know how to win on both ends of the court. But, but, like, I just feel like he had a point now. I'm not speaking for him. It's just my opinion. But I feel like he had a point now he want to win a championship. And he, to, and he I know he know to win a championship. You need that side. You know what I'm saying? You look at Brooklyn. They got two sides. You know, three, uh, you know, superstars on that team. So, you know he need that second player to, you know, help carry the load. So I, I think he um I think that's why I like like that last game. That's why he was able to take over the game and, and go back. Like he said, he was in the way that he knew he didn't have his um right hand man. So but I think overall to to win a championship and to do the things I know Paul wanna do and accomplish, he know he's gonna need that, that 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 second player beside him.
3: You know, I definitely want to get a, a finals preview from you before we wrap up. But Al, we got the big three coming back this year after <laughs> after it was absent last year. I'm a big fan yeah. of the big three, uh, and you know, Al, I, I don't know what people forgot, but you and the triplets won the championship in 2019 with ISO yeah. Joe Joe Johnson himself. How did it feel to remain involved in the game and win the big one? Oh
1: man, it was like it was like a dream to me, man. Because it just I remember coming home from China, and um, and I remember saying, like, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to just take the rest of this, you know, year off and just uh, relax. And um, I'll never forget, it, uh, J.P. Parker called me and said, yo, I want you to play in the big three. It's going to be me and you and Joe. And as soon as he said, I said, Joe who? He said, Joe Junk. I said, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. You know, so, like, and, uh, I never had a chance to play with Joe during my career. I played against him so many times. But, like, man, it was just so – It was we were a new team. Um, we came in. We we just – we jailed together. We had so much fun. I mean, cause think about playing five-on-five for five, 14 years in my career. That half that course like a walk in the park. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, it was so much fun, man. And, uh, and you know, into – and I, I probably didn't realize that, like, probably halfway during the season when I was like, oh, my God, we could really win this thing, you know, because um, – you know I think big baby team was the only one we lost to that whole year. Um so but it was just so much fun, man. Then when it got down to the end when we really wanted, you know, the playoffs and we won it. It was like a dream. I was like, you know, I don't care what level it on when you win know, a championship, that's big, you know, and and, um, and Lisa, she was great, man. We, we we just had fun man. And I just talked to Lisa yesterday, you know, and she's so excited, she ready to kick it off again. you know, so it was, it was just a lot of fun. We competed well. And uh, like I said, Joe made everybody's job a lot easier. (laughs) i put it that way.
3: (laughs) You know, the real question is, are you going back-to-back at this point? Because I know the player pool's improved. I know the league's improved. But, hey, I mean, I know you just got that workout in, you know, before we did this interview. So I know you're ready to play.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I I told Lisa yesterday, I said, I'm going to try to help Joe out this year. Now, he ain't going to carry the load. So, you know, I've been in the gym now for the past two months, man. Really been you know, taking the series and getting it in because, like like I said, we had so much fun. I want to be ready. I want to, you know, um, be able to help Joe out. And uh, that back-to-back, I mean, you know, I'm not going gonna, gonna to take it one game at a time, but I know we have a chance. If we go out there and just, just, you know, get, stay focused and do the things that we did um, two years ago, uh, I think we'll be fine. Like you said, the league have got better. I think it's going to continue to get better. You know what I'm saying? I think more talent don't come because the big three, is, you know, it's blowing up. So... Um, but yeah, we just got we just got to get better. We got, you know, we've been working, so I'm pretty sure we done got better. So, you know, it's a chance. But you know, I'm just gonna go in and taking it one game at a time, like I did two years ago. Now I ain't thinking about the championship until that time comes. So, I don't want to get too ahead of myself.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we're we're excited to see you back out there on the court, and hopefully see you guys, like Fodji said, repeat that championship. But in terms of the NBA championship, you know, we've we've got only one team advanced so far. That's the Phoenix Suns into the conference finals. It's It's been a crazy season, but I'm going to put you on the spot as of uh, – this is June 18th, so anything could happen. We're releasing this episode on Monday. Well, who do you think makes it to the NBA finals?
1: Man, if you'd asked me that three weeks ago, like I would have had a totally different answer. If you'd ask asked me two weeks ago, I would have had a totally different answer. Uh, uh-huh. Before Kyrie went down, you know, I was just – I said – I always said it was going to be hard to beat Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna it's just gonna be hard, regardless who they play. It's gonna be hard. You know. Uh, um, but then injuries: Kyrie went down, uh, James Harden not 100%. KD is carrying a load. Um, you know that may change. I like Phoenix. You know what I'm saying? I like. I think Phoenix. I really. I wish they would have had a little bit more experience, far as Booker. We you knew a lot of them guys first time in the playoffs. But they got a great young team, and Chris Paul the head of the snake. You know, this is the perfect situation for Chris Paul. Like, but then uh, now he and, um, you know, he he out. You know, so yeah, it just yeah. you just don't know, man. I mean, now it's the Clippers. I mean, look, let's see if they could get past Utah. Then you bring um, um, Kawhi back. I mean, there you go. You never know with them. You know what I'm saying? So it's just up in the air. For me right now. I, mean, I really just can't give. <laughs> You know, cause I, I was saying Philly, you know, but they see what Philly did the last game, how they let that twenty six point lead slip away like that, yeah. you know, that's just not playoff focus. You know, that's that was a meltdown. So it's just up in the air. I think all them teams, you know, even Milwaukee, they playing, you know, they playing. Um, well, they could get past Brooklyn. Who knows? So. Mm-hmm. It's just up in the air. I, well, I, I can't. I just can't say one team. Well,
2: well, let me let me give you this route then. Maybe instead of who you think, who are you rooting to make the finals? Because for me, I uh, I'm rooting for Coach Nate McMillan and the Atlanta Hawks just to have a a little Cinderella story here and get to the finals. It might not be what everybody wants, but that's who I'm pulling for. I like I like the Hawks team. They're fun to watch. I want to see Atlanta versus uh, Phoenix in the in the finals.
1: Well, that's what I was about to say. I like Phoenix um, because um, Booker, he's he from Mississippi. So, you know, I got to represent the Mississippi uh, boys. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, like I said, like you just said, I love Nate, man. And I love when, how Nate got the boys playing. And that would be a great um, a great um, story to see them in the finals. You know, see two teams that no one never thought. Well, I know people probably some people have Phoenix in there, but, but it just... Just, just don't know, man. I don't want to mm-hmm. get my hopes up and then get disappointed. So and that's one thing about me being retired. I'm looking at the game as a fan now. You know, yeah. you know I really, and that, that's so much, you know, better than you know, than how I used to look at it. You know, I look at it as a fan and just do, see good basketball.
3: Yeah, I think the one thing that's going to be really fun is whoever makes the NBA Finals, it's going to be a completely different matchup than what we've seen right. in the past. So I think that's going <laughs> right. to be just real fun. but. Uh, One question I want to get your opinion on. Pacers are looking for a new head coach right now. Uh, Three Mm. names. I'm going to throw three names out there that have been rumored to be involved. And I want to know who you think would be maybe the best fit for the job. Rick Carlisle, Terry Stotts, Brian Shaw. Who do you think would be the best fit for that open job for the Pacers?
1: I mean, all them guys uh, I think um, will be a great uh, fit for them. But Rick Carlisle, I mean, I think for a young team – you know, Rick is probably the best man for the job. You know, like I like 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 I said, like with Stan Van Gundy, right? Like Stan Van Gundy is a good coach, but he's not he's not the right coach for a young team. Mm-hmm. He's a good coach for a veteran team. You know what I'm saying? Um, even with Doc Rivers, you know, I feel like Doc is not the best coach out there for a young team. You know? Agreed. And so, but Rick, Allah, he kind of. He's one of them coaches, he's he a good coach for the veteran team, and he's also a good coach for the young team. But, you know, like I said, with a young team, you got you to, um, you know, you got to teach good habits at a young age, and, you know, and that's what will make them grow up until we become a better player when they get older. So I think Rick would probably be the best for the job, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think Pacers fans. A lot of
3: Pacers fans, they <laughs> yeah. want them bad, bad. Yeah. yeah.
2: We want the Rick yeah. reunion back here in uh, Indiana. You know the brawl kind of took everything downhill for Rick here. So, be a nice little redemption yeah. story. Uh, Ron Artest has been all over Twitter saying Pacers Lakers Finals next year. So I don't know. Uh, Ron's a little crazy, but hey, we're all we're all excited for that. But I got to ask you my last question, and okay. it, it goes back. Just I've seen a lot of people that you know from ESPN, and then I've seen some former players like Nick Young on Twitter, kind of just like as soon as the Lakers went out oh, these NBA finals are terrible. You know, we want to see the big market teams in there. And it's just, there's so many good players on small market teams, especially with how the draft is set up. What can the league do better to make smaller markets get the same amount of attention or at least an increased amount of attention as we get with these bigger market teams like the Lakers, the Clippers and the Knicks? Because it's just, to me in every other sport, it really doesn't matter about market size, but the NBA, it does for some reason. And I'm not sure what's the disconnect there.
1: I mean, I don't think it's nothing they can do. I mean, you just name New York, California, you know, them big market plate like bigger cities, you know. So they are, of course, they're gonna be the team that you know pretty much everybody want to see, or the, the, uh, they the big market teams. I don't really think far as what the NBA could do to improve it. I don't know. I'm not sure if there's anything they can do because it's nothing gonna stop, nothing gonna change about. Um, I can't see New York downsizing. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. California, right. LA, I can't see that happening. So, you know, it's just going to be big market teams out there. We're going to have a small market team. You know, I just don't think. And the only way I can say a big market, a small market team want that, um, you know, want that respect, they got to win championships. You know, okay. I think that goes back to your GM, your coaches, and your players. You know, Cause I feel like you can win in a small market.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, I know. Um, a lot of teams don't – you know, a lot of free agents don't want to probably go to a small market. But I mean, I remember I was a free agent. I went to Charlotte, you know, and had my best um, season out of my career there, you know. We made it to the playoffs. But I just think the small market teams just have to win, you know. Um, you when just, you win, everybody, everybody stop complaining. You got <laughs> to draft well,
3: you know. Got to draft well, yeah. Draft well. That's your best chance at getting a superstar but, you know, Al, as we wrap up here, you know, I don't think you have any social media, so we don't get to see much of you, nah. but you. As we're wrapping up, anything you want to say to the fans before we sign off?
1: Oh, man, just hey, just keep being the best fans in the NBA, man. I used to hate going there playing Indiana when I was one with them, but then when I got there, they were the best fans ever. So, you know, just keep being the uh, best fans y'all could be and supporting the team. Bro. The pace is going to be back in the playoffs soon. I believe it
3: absolutely love it can't thank you enough for coming on and uh, good luck in the big three this season all right thank you bob
2: all right everybody that wraps it up for another episode of setting the pace want to thank al jefferson once again so much for coming on and being a part of our show great to have him back on once again he is a fantastic interview so al we thank you so much for coming on make sure you check us out on twitter at setting the pace 30 my co-host mike facci at underscore Facci. i i'm at alex golden nba